What do you do on Sundays? We talk about Kate Blanchett, the acting, the costumes, the awards, but mostly the Blanchett of it all. Oh, oh I'm not acting. <laughs> you think this is a love affair? I saw you, Erica. Meeting in the middle. This is Sundays with Kate, and I'm your host, Mortada El Fadl. Welcome to Sundays with Kate, a podcast series about the films of Kate Blanchett. This is Murtada El Fadl, and today we are discussing the 2004 film The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, which was directed by Wes Anderson and starred Kate, Angelica Houston, and Bill Murray as Steve Zissou. And my guest is filmmaker and producer Erica Mann. Hi, Erica. Hi, Murtada. How are you? Doing great. Thank you for coming on the pod. Thank you for having me. This is such a full circle moment because we've been talking online forever and now we're actually talking like actual people. This is great. Yes, it's um, I think we've been talking online for at least six, seven years, if not more. We, like since I've been on on Twitter, mostly we've been talking and uh, yeah, it's it, this is actually kind of crazy that this is our first time speaking to each other. But I love it that it's all about Kate. So this is a good. Yes. And Kate was one of the things we talked about when we first started talking online. Yes, I think. Well, for I, I'm trying to remember, but I think I noticed you first because you had such amazing takes about the fashion uh fashion online <laughs> and i was like oh this guy knows what he's talking about and but then you had such smart takes about kate um herself and her acting and i was like okay we can be friends because i too am an admirer of the kate blanchett and so how apropos that you have a podcast about her if this is oh. such a great idea for a podcast it, this, it was great because it forced me to go back and dive into her films mm-hmm. and kind of like re-jog my memory because I think she she's she's at this level now where she's kind of like on the, es- the upper echelon of like fame and well and like celebrity and acting but I mm-hmm. think it's always good to go back and kind of say like oh she's been here she's put in the work and it's great to have you so tell me about your impression of Kate or the first time you saw a film of hers <sighs> so I I thought about this and it's so funny because I feel like I talk about this film and every podcast, film podcast I go on, but it really was Lord of the Rings, especially uh, Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Rings. The this, the trilogy was a big part of my childhood. And so when I first saw the Fellowship, you know, she plays the beautiful uh, Galadriel elf in the movie. And um, she's like, you know, a big character. She's beautiful. She's all in white. She's, she's literally glowing a beacon of hope for the weary uh, fellowship. And so I, that was the first time as a kid seeing her and I didn't, I didn't really un, like know her. I didn't know her films before, but I remember being like, my God, this one is gorgeous. Her cheekbones could cut me. Like she's so pretty. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then from, from there, I don't think I actually kind of officially hopped on until the aviator. I think that was when I was like, okay, I'm, I'm fooling. This woman is incredible. She is acting circles around Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes. I must stand forever. So I think Lord of the Rings was the first um, time I, I, I saw her and really like soaked her in. Yeah, I mean, Lord of the Rings is the entry for a lot of people. My entry was a little bit earlier with Elizabeth and it was just um, that was such a fantastic introduction for her, for the world, to the world and to me. 
you mentioned The Aviator, and actually the movie that we're talking about today was released in the U.S. in some places in the, on the same day that The Aviator was released, which is this, the Christmas really? of 2004. Really? It was the same day? Yeah. Was a... <gasps> At least according flex. to IMDb. What a flex to have two movies come out, like a big film and also a tiny indie film just on the same day. That is yes. such a flex. Yeah, and with two iconic filmmakers like Scorsese and Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson wasn't as iconic as he is today when this movie came out. It was only his fourth film. But still, she was working with the best at the same time. Kate has a really, she has good taste. Like, she is someone who, I th- even if the film isn't always that good, I feel like she is very selective about who she works with, what kind of projects she picks. Like you never say like, oh, she must have been she must have wanted a paycheck. Like I always feel like, okay, yeah. even if it's a big film, I'm always like, okay, maybe the paycheck was a nice little incentive, but you know, there's something there to the material yeah. that she probably was like, Oh, I can do this, I can work with this. Or someone interesting that she wanted to work with, which in this case is Bill Murray, Angelica Houston, and of course Wes Anderson himself. Okay, so the life aquatic is about an oceanographer called Steve Zissou, played by Bill Murray. And he goes on a sort of Moby Dick-like mythical revenge story um, about this shark who killed his partner and he wanted to exact revenge on him. And and then it's about his crew. So Willem Dafoe, Noah Taylor, uh, Owen Wilson. There is a lot of actors who are in his crew. Kate yeah. plays... Jane Winslet Richardson, mm-hmm. uh, who is a reporter for Oceanographic Explorer. That's the name of the magazine. I think it's made up. And she's interviewing <laughs> Zisu and sort of goes with them on this mythical revenge uh, trip. They go on to catch this shark. Angelica Houston is his wife and they sort of have an off on marriage. There's Jeff Goldblum as mm-hmm. her ex or on the side lover. It's not clear. <laughs> it's not very clear. <laughs> so this is the plot of the movie. But like all of Wes Anderson's movies, it's very quirky. It's full of characters and costumes and the frame is full with so many things. And even... If you don't like the story, there is just something to look at in this movie. It's not one of my favorite of Wes Anderson's, but it's enjoyable for what it is. What do you think? So, full disclosure, this is my first time seeing this film. I knew of the film because I'm a film person and... I I just felt like I saw a lot of the costuming before I even saw the I knew mm-hmm. of the film because when that film came out it was such it was such a cult following around this film like you couldn't go anywhere without seeing the classic you know blue jumpsuit and red hat it's like oh, costume yes. parties and like everyone was wearing it and it was just kind of like what what is it what's it about and then it was just kind of almost like kind of you know, hipstery things where you're like, oh, you just have to see it to understand. Like, okay. Um, so I, I think this is my first time actually seeing it, but I'm happy that I am familiar somewhat of Wes Anderson's work before mm-hmm. jumping into this because I feel like if I hadn't, if this was my first time watching a Wes Anderson film, I don't know if I would have a full-fledged opinion that is nuanced about him as I do now, because I, I've experienced his work, and I've seen it, and I, I think I have a different kind of take on it. And so watching this now with the idea of like how I feel about Wes Anderson, I agree it's not my favorite. However, 
one thing I tend to appreciate about Wes's work is like, yes, you know, we can get caught up in the the shots and then the nine degree angle shots and the aesthetic and oh, this, this these outfits. Oh my God, I wish I could have it. And the colors and the, you know, all that's the style. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people get caught up on that, which I do too. I'm like, I'm, I'm a visual person. I, I want to look at every single thing. One thing I admire about Wes's work is that even though it can be this quirky kind of funny story there's an element of darkness to his work and there is my feel a lot of deeper meaning that can be you know broken apart and once you strip it back all the you know the style and the look there's an actual message behind his behind his stuff and I think for this one in particular I think it's a bit more clear than his other one. I think for me personally, as someone who studied film, I can be like, oh, I know, I kind of see what, what this is. But yeah, no, I, I, I liked it. I, I really did. I'm, I'm kind of mad that I was so stubborn about not seeing it before. But um, no, I think I, I'm happy I got to check it out. I liked it. Yeah, I think you're, you're really spot on in what you said about how Anderson, even though he builds this quirky word, there is a darkness to it. And I guess the darkness here in this story is Zisu goes on this mission and the mission is very vague and it's it has these mystical qualities to it. Like a shark ate his partner. This is like a tall tale, right? But right. I think the film digs deeper. It's something maybe deeper than that about pursuing passions and how that can be costly and you lose things and People die in this movie, not just the man eaten by the shark, but yeah. other people die. So it is very dark and it is ultimately about when you have something that you just feel compelled to do, like Steve Zissou is compelled to go on these explorations, what is the cost and is it ultimately worth it or not? And I think he leans on that it is worth it, but it's going to cost you and it's going to cost you steep. Right, exactly. And it's it's this like, you know, again, the darkness of losing his friend and then kind of going through the motions of, you know, continuing his profession, but losing that passion because, you know, I mean, once you experience that seeing your friend die, be eaten by a shark, it's like, like how do you how do you go forth? How do you motivate your your crew? Mm-hmm. And so I think the the kind of the beauty of it was, was watching him go through the emotions and, you know, meeting Owen Wilson's character and Kate's character and getting these people who kind of, who kind of challenge him in a way where he has to confront his own, you know, ego, because he's an mm-hmm. egotistical, he can be an asshole. Yeah. And he, and kind of forced him to kind of figure out, okay, what is going on here? Who am I? And um, to see that transition from the first, from the beginning of the film to, to the end yeah it's it's quite fantastic and i think that's one of the things with wes anderson's uh, work is like there's always a journey and yeah. whether it's the ending is sad or happy it's a journey not only visually but also just story thematically yeah exactly yeah 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 and so this is his riff on jacques Cousteau, who was this mm-hmm. marine explorer who and i don't when i was young growing up in sudan those movies, those documentaries of Jacques Cousteau played on TV all the time. So I remember him. And Bye. obviously he, at least the costumes, if not the story itself, but the costumes are based on what Jacques Cousteau used to wear. Did you ever see any of those TV documentaries from, of Jacques he, Cousteau? 
you know what I did? I I was weirdly obsessed with chocolate when, when I was little. I don't know. I was a, my I was my my mom, my parents. They would you know show me like the like documentaries and like they wanted me to be super cultural and like know a lot of information, like very obscure information. So I knew Jock when I was a kid and I would watch his documentaries. And like, if you'd asked me as a little Erica, like, Oh, who's that? I'm like, Oh, that's Jock. Cousteau. like, yeah. girl, you, you don't, you don't know Jock. Cousteau. He's a, he, like, he knows his shit. Like, so I really liked him and you know, his passion, I think again, his passion for what he did and you know, the earth and water and, um, so I, that, that's probably one thing I re- why I liked the film so much was the fact that they based it off of him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think so lovingly, too, like you could see like there's a lot of care that went into making sure that it was respectful, but also, you know, taking parts of Jacques career and putting mm-hmm. it into a film. So, yeah, no, loves Jacques. No. Oh. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so weird. It's like, girl, he's an oceanographer. Chill. I was like, no, but he's, he was so dope. It's so he's funny. Not... I I love Jack too, and he was part of my childhood. But I do not actually meet a lot of people who know him. So this is I'm, why you're I'm the perfect guest for this <laughs> for this spot. Yeah. And so the story, part of the narrative of the story is that Owen Wilson plays this guy who comes in and tells Steve Zissou that he might be his son. And they immediately form this bond and they and he invites him to come on the trip together. The funniest thing in this movie to me is Willem Dafoe. He is a hoot. He <laughs> sort of plays Steve Zissou's second in command, but he becomes so jealous of Owen Wilson once he I joins know. their expedition. It's so cute. It's so cute. I, I, I love that you mentioned him because, again, there's so many people in this cast. I'm, I'm sure it's easy to kind of be lost, but yeah. his character is just so cute because he's because I'm, I'm used to seeing Willem Dafoe as like, you know, a certain way. And to see this kind of very kind of childlike jealousy to Owen Wilson, where yeah. he's just kind of like, how dare you take my love away? It was really <laughs> cool to see, and funny to see. I loved it. Yeah, he is, he's very funny. He was my favorite performance in the film. Willem Dafoe, props to you, my man. You are great in this film. And so when Kate comes in as this reporter, Jane Winslet Richardson, I read one review of this and it said it's as if her name was bringing together two acting clans, you know, the Richardsons and (laughs) Kate Winslet. That's Um, funny. May I turn this on? Fire one. So what happened in your opinion? Um, don't you think the public perception of your work has significantly altered in the last five years? That's your first question? I thought this was supposed to be a puff pee. How do you feel about part one of your new film? I thought aspects of it seemed slightly fake. Did it seem fake? When my best friend was bitten in half right in front of me? Then eaten alive, screaming? I think you're a fake. I think you're a phony. And a bad reporter. How does that feel? Tell me something. Does this seem fake? How dare you? This entire article was my idea. No one else gives a shit. But anyway, she's a reporter. She comes in to interview Steve and then sort of comes in between him and his son. They both start start flirting with her which you know she's doing her job but 
we'll let it slide. This is a quirky <laughs> movie. And she sort of has more of a connection with the younger man who is more age appropriate to her. And it, one of the one of the things that I really liked about this movie is that she tells Steve, you're way too old for me. Me like to his face. <laughs> she did. She was like, wait, what? Like, are you serious? Like, do you see your son? And I'm like, you're you're really surprised that I went with him. Yeah. That was a I love that line. She's like, you're 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 too old. Like, why are you why are you what? I loved it. Yeah, me too. And you know, one of the themes that came apparent as I was doing this podcast when we talk about Kate in love stories where she gets to play the girl. She doesn't actually do it that much like in Benjamin Button or, you know, it never seems to fit her because she's just a little like her screen persona is just a little way too smart to just play that. And yeah. I think here what helps this performance, even though this is a small part and she is not one of the main characters, what I think helps this performance is that she fits in well within the Anderson world, like the artificial deadpan style that they all talk yeah. in sort of mm -hmm. helps elevate this part because even though they give her a job and they make her pregnant, in the end, her role is to just be sort of love interest. But, yeah, yeah. But I think it deepens that with, with the deadpan and sort of the performance deepens it a little bit than what it could have been in lesser hands. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I was, I've listened to your podcast just to kind of get caught up and kind of, you know, understand it. And one thing you guys mentioned a lot is the fact, you know, she doesn't play the love interest like that that mm -hmm. much. And I was really kind of thinking about it. And I said, you know, Kate, she exudes dominance. She exudes alpha. And I think yeah. it's there is like that alpha energy. And so I think it's hard sometimes when you, she's matched up with another actor, another man, it's kind of like, yes, there can be a love story, but it's it would, for me as a audience member, it's hard. It'd be hard for me to be like, oh yeah, she's this submissive, you know, oh, catch me, I'm going to faint, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, woman who is just pining for a man. Like if anything, it's like, no, she doesn't, like you're lucky to be, even she, to consider her as a love, like you know, what I mean, like she has this confidence where I think it's just a nat, it's just naturally a part of her. Yeah. And so I think it, for that, it's kind of hard to pair up with other men to the point where it would be like, okay, I can, I can see this. Like chemistry wise, it would have to be the right actor, the right circumstance. So I totally understand that. But for this, this movie, I think this is one of her. Um, how much to describe softer roles? Like she's mm -hmm. like she's very she's bronzed and sun kissed, and she's incredibly vulnerable. Like the most vulnerable I've seen her play in a while. And I I was kind of thinking I was like she could have easily played um, Angelica Houston's character mm -hmm. the, as the as the wife. Like she has you know the the sharpness and you know the deadpan and you know the laissez faire and like she could have easily have played the the wife of it if, if they if she really wanted to she could have pulled it off mm -hmm. but i like this character because it's such a i just think it's so different like she cries and she gets emotional and you know i know they say oh maybe she's because she's pregnant yeah but also 
she fits in this world just because of the deadpan and she's so quick-witted, but mm-hmm. also she kind of doesn't because her reactions to things, while everyone's kind of reacting in a very like neutral way as Wes Anderson characters do, she's kind of one of the few characters who kind of gets really like in there like a, like a more natural reaction to things than like the like what I would react to. Like that's how she reacts. And it's, I don't know. I, I like this role for her. Like this is the first time. And I mean, I don't think she and Owen Wilson had the most amazing chemistry, mm-hmm. but I think it was an interesting light for me to see her play this role where she is very, very soft and, you know, just, you know, beautiful and just let you know guys just kind of fight for her attention and her love and you know she's pregnant and you know everything so I really like this role but interesting enough I was I did some research and I was watching some interviews around this time mm-hmm. and um Kate was doing this was talking and she was saying how she was just finishing up the aviator when she started this I guess they were fitting her for the the pregnancy mm-hmm. belt movie and um she faints she faints while she they're putting it on only to find out that um she's actually she's actually pregnant oh wow <laughs> she, was, she was actually pregnant and um wes anderson was like oh so you're method oh you method method <laughs> and it was interesting because then wes goes into talking about kate specifically mm-hmm. and, and i don't think he meant to be shady when he said this but it's kind of one of those things where you you speak your truth and it just comes out shady yeah um, he said that you know with kate she came prepared and she had a intellectual understanding of the material that some of the cast members didn't. And he referenced <laughs> Bill Murray and Owen Wilson, who was with the assistant director, you know, memorizing their lines like on the fly. And so I don't think he meant that as like kind of like, oh, no, like whatever. But I think it's very telling how he kind of emphasized how mm-hmm. Kate had a had an understanding of material that maybe the others didn't or a different take. Mm-hmm. And so I think again after the aviator doing a part like this is so on the opposite spectrum and yet i think it just shows her range her range like she can be like you know again super sharp Mm -hmm. boss bitch kate blanchett you know but also she can play this demure but also strong character yeah and i really love what you said about the vulnerability that she gave to this performance because i didn't think of that while i was watching it but now when you mention it looking back she is very vulnerable in this movie unlike any other movies while and i agree with you that she doesn't go full deadpan like the rest of the cast she gives just a slight nod so that she doesn't Mm -hmm. sort of stand out but yeah the vulnerability is is a beautiful thing to see from her in this performance and it does make it make her stand out even though the role is not that big right yeah i love the scene where they it's one scene between two women which i don't think even passes the Bechdel test because (laughs) houston and blanchett (laughs) are basically talking about her pregnancy and the baby, the baby's father. And then they start talking about Steve. So it's all men. I mean, the baby could men. be a girl. <laughs> maybe, maybe. So maybe. three, possibly three, but no. <laughs> yeah. I love that scene because it showed them both opening to each other, even though these two characters, we only know them in the orbit of Steve, but here they are having a conversation about something that is about is steve but also not and you even though what they're saying in the text is all about steve you can see the connection between the two characters that scene is where she 
is trying for the first time to sort of talk about the fact that she is going to be a single mother. Because when the movie starts, she's not sure. She's still calling her ex to see if he will be in, in the baby's life. But I think by this point in the movie, she has already decided that it's just going to be her. Right, right. Where she's where she finally like you know what this is like this is a really messed up situation and I'm going to stay with these ragtag group of weirdos and 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 do my own and I do my own thing so yeah absolutely. So when I was reading reviews in my research before talking to you, there was a lot of people of critics who said that there's too much quirkiness. I mean, I think Stephanie Zakarik said, and I love this, (laughs) this movie is waterlogged with whimsy. (laughs) Waterlogged. (laughs) Which is just brilliant. It Um, is. It really is. Did you feel that? It's kind of hard to be like, it's too much when it's like, you kind of have to take it for what it is. It's like yeah. when you get Wes Anderson, you're going to get the, 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 like there's probably like 10 billion things going on in one scene. Mm. Like when you're watching Bill Murray talk, there's a whale behind him. So yeah. I'm watching Bill Murray, but also there's Shamu in the background swimming. And it's like, and maybe the, I, maybe there's a little mouse on the floor. Like there's so much going on and there's so many Easter eggs and yeah, it can be exhausting if you're really kind of person. Like I don't, want I this is too much I don't think I've ever had that criticism of him I because I'm again a visual person I love Mm -hmm. beautiful things I love like seeing things and watching things over and over and catching little tiny nuances so his whimsy has never been an issue for me however I can completely understand why it bothers a lot of people because Mm -hmm. again I, I it would people would think okay he's so focus on the visuals and just being quirky and weird that there is no substance. However, you know, I, I, I tend to disagree. I think there is substance. I just think it takes a bit longer to peel back <laughs> than other films because again, you're looking at all these different colors and pastels and shapes and outfits that it's kind of hard to kind of dilute it to the point where you're like, okay, this is, this is the, the bare bones of what he's trying to say yeah i think the movie only lost me when the pirates came in and then i don't know it became like an action comedy and they're pursuing the pirates and there's an island and guns and i'm like what is happening that's that was when it lost me too because i was like we're just having a good time dude they're having chill and all these these then some of the guns that people are getting hit and I'm just like, what is this? Like yeah. this is a rescue mission from for um, Jeff Goldblum. Like, what is going on here? So I can I can, that definitely did snap me out where I was like, wait, can we go back to just the nice stuff? But yeah, yeah I I totally agree. So this was Wes Anderson's fourth film after Bottle Rocket, Rushmore. And the Royal Tannenbaums, which was about three years before um, Life Aquatic. And of course, Royal Tannenbaums was his big breakout. It was well acclaimed and people love it. People still love it. And it was the movie that sort of coalesced into now we have this idiosyncratic auteur with a specific style. And then he followed up that with this and it was not received as well. And I don't think anybody today will say that it is their favorite Wes Anderson. What do you think? Do you do you? What is your favorite Wes Anderson film? So I'm a, I'm a big old sucker for Moonrise Kingdom. To be honest, I I think that was just one of those films that really. I, well, 
well, Moonrise Kingdom, Fantastic Mr. Fox was great too. I, I really liked that. But I think Moonrise Kingdom was definitely one that really, I just really enjoyed from beginning to end. Like it was just a, I feel like a beautiful, interesting, funny film, but also, you know, very sweet and, you know, childlike and innocent. Mm-hmm. And you have all these, you have this, I think about Wes Anderson's films too, which is crazy because i'm looking at this cast it's like he will have the most weirdest stories with the weirdest characters but have the most like amazing cast like he'll have yeah. these a-list actors like doing the like wearing like owl outfits that are like being weird or being like like uh boy scout leaders like he can like i think he has like the sauce now where he can get any actor or actress mm-hmm. he wants to and- appear in just two scenes Right, to do one scene, like, hey, I just need you to um, just to, you know, do this and you play as this weird character or whatever, and, you know, you sell beignets on this corner, but you're also a spy. Like, it's weird, but he he has, he, even his, his because his, um, his resume isn't, like, that, that long. Mm-hmm. However, he has, you know, become such a auteur and has made such a name for himself where he can pretty much do what he wants and mm-hmm. do do his stories and get a great cast to go along with it. Yeah. I think my favorite is The Grand Budapest Hotel because that was a movie that is so Wes Anderson. It's exactly all the things he's concerned about. It looks exactly like all his other movies. It's got his style, a deadpan. It's a quirky story, quirky characters. It's set in a strange place in another time that that it feels like sometime in the mid 20th century or early 20th century, but also feels it could be in space or in the future. (laughs) And he's not specific about it. And the performances in that movie, Ray Fiennes is just so amazing in that film. Such a beautiful performance and funny and just all around great. So I, and I think all of his things sort of that he cares about and, and all of his style came together so well with that film. And I think that's why it's my favorite. I think if I was to introduce a Wes Anderson film to someone who had no idea who he was, what film would I show to kind of give you an idea of who he is as a artist? It would be Grand Budapest Host Hotel. Like mm-hmm. that is, like you said, it has literally everything. He has the the colors, the the nuance, but also the characters and the quirkiness, and also the darkness. Yeah. Like that, there's there's dark, there's a dark film too. It's about fascism. In it's the end. fascism. Like, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, absolutely. And the cast again, he worked with Willem Dafoe in that too. So yeah. he and Bill Murray. Like it's yeah, definitely. I think that is kind of like the epitome of what a Wes Anderson film looks like, and. Um, I think I think you're spot on like that. Like I would absolutely like here watch this, and you pretty much got the gist of who he is as a filmmaker. Yeah, and then if this person falls in love with Budapest, then you can say, well, come see Tannenbaum, see Steve Zissou, Rushmore. Then you know, and then they will find the bits that they liked in these other films too. Absolutely. So this movie is sort of a blip in both careers. Like it wasn't as it came after Royal Tannenbaum's and usually in a in a director's career after your big breakout, the movie that everybody suddenly decide you've arrived, sir. The movie that comes after that is usually one <laughs> where people are like, eh, I don't know. Did we really like you? So this <laughs> like that. Was this a fluke? I did we really like rock with you like that? Mm, maybe not. 
Yeah. And I think it's also a blip in Kate's career because it was released the same time as The Aviator and that was such a singular performance and she was Oscar nominated and won the Oscar and it was Scorsese and she was playing Catherine Hepburn. And just when you compare Catherine Hepburn with Jane Winslet Richardson, like there is no competition. Like you're going to talk about Kate in The Aviator. Absolutely. I, I, I didn't even know she was in this film, to be honest. When I saw the list you sent, I was like, wait, what? Life Aquatic? She was in? Like, I had no idea. I was like, wait. And so, yeah. And yeah, with the Catherine Hepburn character, like, the aviator was humongous. Yeah. Like, that performance, everyone was talking about it. So I'm not surprised that uh, this role was like, you know, like, wait, who? What? Psh, get out yeah. of here. Like, like, no one cared. But it's one of those, like, kind of, like, little nuggets that you kind of look through. Like, oh, like, what's this? And you're like, oh, this is actually kind of cute um, that you go through her film filmography to find. So um, I'm not surprised, but, I'm, you know, it's a nice little treat. Yeah. So who would you say is the MVP of Life Aquatic? There's so many characters in that movie. My gosh. Usually there's someone who has, like, a, like, like literally like back to back like one liners like hit after hit funny yeah. quirky or someone who has who resonates or says something that kind of defines the entire film mm-hmm. but in this case i think everyone's pretty even keeled i yeah. think maybe bill murray just because i think out he's of everyone lead. he's a lead and he goes through the most and he you know he 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 is again he's a lead so i guess maybe him but yeah. No one really carries this film. Like everyone is just kind of doing their part, and it just kind of naturally fits together in this universe, in this 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 submarine or boat or whatever. I have more of a basic answer because I think it's the design. It's okay. production design and and the costumes. So Mark Friedberg did the production design, and okay. the costumes is Milena Caninero, who does all of West Wes Anderson movies. Um, and it's kind of a basic answer because Wes Anderson, it looks good. It looks unique. It's designed well. Those right. things are are just now they're a given. Absolutely. But I think like I just love the way the boat looks. The boat is yeah. so big, so yes. huge. There's so many things in it. And you are <laughs> all, we're always going from room to room, from the sauna to like Kate's room to the yeah. deck. And you go up, you're down. Yeah. It all looks so exactly what maybe a boat would look like, but also completely not like what a boat would look like. It yeah, is it's, just like, it's, the a, it's a humongous suit. boat. Like, yeah. that, like, it's like this is a humongous boat. Like we're going to, like twelve different rooms with a sauna and like a like a staircase. Like, like what kind of boat is this? And you're right. Like there's a, there's a scene a shot where they're going through like they like they split the boat in half and they're just going through all the different rooms. Like oh, this is our sauna. This is our our sound studio. This is our editing room. Oh, this is where they do our experiments and it's just like you just see the levels to I guess the whole you know business and how it is a team effort and so I really did love that yeah the boat is amazing let me tell you about my boat the Belafonte was a long-range sub hunter during the Second World War which we bought from the US Navy for $900,000 the sauna was designed by an engineer from the Chinese space program, and we keep a Swedish masseuse on staff. Here's where we do all our different science projects and experiments and so on. This is the kitchen, which contains probably some of the most technologically advanced equipment on the ship. This is the observation bubble, which I thought up in a dream, actually. I I admire him for having a vision. 
and sticking to it vision like i mean honestly like if you can you can see an outfit and be like oh that's a wes anderson outfit yeah. like i mean not a lot of filmmakers can say that and i think that's so cool and uh, that he can be someone who as an auteur who can be like okay i i can i can automatically know like this is his work it's his thumbprint he is very unique in that and he's also employs the same actors all the time but unfortunately k didn't become one of his troop of actors because that is their only collaboration so yeah. maybe they can do something uh, together in the future because he did to your point earlier bring out a different side of her yeah absolutely so now let's talk a little bit about kate herself so you you've already we've already talked about lord of the rings and that was <laughs> your first introduction to kate um, yeah. What's, what's your favorite Kate Blanchett performance? Uh, you know what? I was just thinking um, while we were talking, I also saw Kate, before I answer that question, because I just realized I saw Kate in a play. I, I saw Kate in the present in New York mm, years ago. Too. And I well, I didn't realize it was a checkoff play and that it was a good four hours long. It's so and long. So, <laughs> it's so long. And I and I, I mean I just again for me not not doing my research, I was like, I'm just seeing I'm seeing Kate Planchet on stage. Like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity, yeah. of course. And so I'm like sitting down, like looking at the runtime, I'm like, wait, is that is that right? <laughs> so I have we had the honor of seeing Kate Blanchett for a good like three hours on stage, but she was fantastic. So of yeah. course, my favorite Kate. Ooh, well, well, I'll just say this: I'm I'm not a fan of the man who made the film, but Blue Jasmine is my favorite uh, Kate Blanchett um, role. Mm -hmm. um, no mention of the filmmaker. Sorry to that man. I don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just really love watching like waspy white women just break down and do a full like spiral like it was it's kind of like you just watch her from you know this wealthy woman who is just you know in this bubble and she's just yeah, you know, and Kate the, is so great at spiraling and unraveling she's so good it's her like, best mood <laughs> It is like you can see like the tiny little spindles just like breaking apart like slowly and she's so good at it too where she's in this bubble of delusion where she's wealthy and she has this money and then she's living with her uh, I believe her sister mm -hmm. um, and you know she's kind of but she's dragging everyone around her with her like that's, that's the thing about this film it's so funny because she's she's you know spiraling she's drinking she's all red-eyed and kind of manic and then She's bringing her issues onto her sister and the relationships, and it's so funny to watch because it's it's, it's chaos. But she's yeah. also like still like she doesn't lose that elegance of glamour. It's just like okay, she's disheveled, she's drinking, she's she's kind of losing it, but she still has an element of like okay, but she's still came. like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, she's yeah, like, yeah. She she's she the character is unraveling, but the actor is in control. She's in control of everything in the performance, even though Jasmine is in control of nothing. Yes, absolutely. So I, I think that's, again, that kind of has Kate, Kate stand apart from other actors. Like she just, she's just has that, that element of confidence that sort of like, she has her shit together. Yeah. Like even, I, I'm sure she go, I mean, realize she like, goes through a lot, but it's like you can't tell because you always believe that she's the, the 
go-to person that has her shit together no matter what. And I think that's why people are so drawn to her as a actress, but also for her roles as well. She brings that to her roles. Yeah. It's such a layered performance. There's so many layers to it. It's so brilliant. I, I think it's the best performance of the 2010s. I don't think anybody has come close or topped it. It's so brilliant. Even Kate herself in Carol, which is another great performance. It is. It's not as great as Blue Jasmine. No, Blue Jasmine. She just, she just went up, blew the water out of that. I was just like, my God, she's brilliant. I mean, I remember the first time I watched that movie opening night in New York and (laughs) my doll was on the floor the whole time. I, you know, at that point I had loved her for so many years and I knew she could do it, but I just couldn't believe what she got to do in that performance. It's so brilliant. And in criticism, there is theories that are starting to emerge about um, the actor as auteur. And I think, you know, when you think of a performance like, Kate's in Blue Jasmine. Yes, she might not have written it yet. She didn't. Maybe she didn't direct the film, but she is the auteur of that film because the film is about the performance. And the, if there, if this performance is not in the film, it will not be this film. Right. Absolutely. Um, no. Absolutely. That. That. I think that's the big thing. Like she carries the, her performance carries that film, yeah. and it, I, I completely agree. Absolutely. So, who's your f- um, favorite Kate scene partner? Um, oh God, it gotta be Dame Judy Dench because uh, I I love Notes on a Scandal. We are on the same page. God. I love that movie so much I, too. I remember seeing that film and just being like, my God, this is the messiest film I have seen in a while. It's so good. And I I think again, it's very easy for other actors to be kind of eaten up in a scene with Kate. I think she just has that natural, again, that natural um, stability, her her confidence. Like, it's very, and she's, again, I said, she's very alpha. She's very dominant. And yeah. so it's very uh, easy to be lost into a scene. But not but, Dame Judy. No, she's like, girl, I am a classically <laughs> trained. I, I got this. And so she's like, are, I'm toe to toe with you, Kate. Where are you these, going? I got you. I got these notes. I got these notes. <laughs> like she, it was such a bizarre story. And yeah. yet it's, it, it's like you never felt like one was out acting the other. They were both like, it was like, like complimenting each other so well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was like watching the Super Bowl with these, you know, these, a one athletes and you're just like oh my god i don't know who's going to come out of this alive because it's like they're both going at it really you got like, me really excited about notes of scandal now i just want to put it on and watch them again me too it's so good oh guys if you haven't seen it please watch it it yeah. is so messy and good my god so i think we both want her to work with dame judy again get that done kate get, <laughs> get that something done. yes but get is, that there, done. is there anybody else you would like to see her work with I would like to see her work with I'm I'm thinking broader not just acting. I want mm-hmm. her to be in a Steve McQueen uh film. Mm-hmm. Um I I'm a huge Steve McQueen fan and I think Steve McQueen is an actor's director. Mm-hmm. I think he really lets his actors do what they they need to do, which is why I think he's very selective on who he who what actors he chooses for his films. I think Kate could like ha- could really like 
do an amazing performance. And also visually, I, uh, Steve works with a with the same cinematographer. Um, I'm Sean Bobbitt. Sean Bobbitt, who I'm, I who I love, I love mm-hmm. Sean Bobbitt. His work is beautiful, and I think Sean Bobbitt would, you know, just make her look absolutely decadent and and beautiful. <laughs> and so um, I I think that would be a pairing that I would personally love to see. Yeah, me too. And Steve is so rigorous in his filmmaking. And Kate has said in interviews that she doesn't have a method and she will just adopt the method of whoever she's working yeah. with. And so. I would like to see her sort of work with somebody who's so rigorous and who, you know, his, his directing is all about the mise-en-scene and about the frame and holding the long takes. These are, you know, some of his signatures. So, yeah, I would love to see her work within, within that framework. And they're both so smart too. Like as mm-hmm. Wes said, she, Kate has just an intellectual understanding of material that may be not, that may, that others may not understand actors may not understand like when they read a script they they get one way but Kate's probably like okay she's thinking like 12 different layers to us like a one line she may have like one line but in her head she's like there's like 10 different meanings to that one line and I think uh when the two intellectuals like get together I think they can make magic I really do yeah let's hope that happens we're almost <laughs> at Christmas so this is yes. Carol's <laughs> Season. Carol I love Mass. that you call it Carol Season. I love. I think it should be a national like holiday. Like it's not Christmas. It is Carol Season. It's Carol Season. So I've been asking all my guests about what they think of Carol. I think everybody loves it. We all love that movie. It's, people love it with such a passion. It's so culturally significant. <laughs> but tell us your feelings about Carol, or just an anecdote about that film. So I remember seeing Carol. I saw it on New Year's Eve. Um, I was living in Chelsea at the time, and it was and it was snowing, and it was like the, it was like the lights were still up for Christmas, and I had no uh, uh, um, New Year's Eve plans. So I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go see this movie. Carol, everyone's loving about it. I was gonna see it, and it's I. I I heard so I heard people raving about it, and I always like, okay, I'll, I'll see for myself, and. Again, I think I spent about two months raving about just the coats. I was such so beautiful coats. Sandy Powell like, genius. I, I need every single coat in that film. So fashion aside, I I love. I mean, I'm, I'm a sucker for a period piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I like films that tackle that era specifically because it's such a very waspy whitewashed um version of like it was the 1950s right yeah early okay. 1950s right so i think of like revolutionary road and i think of like though that time period where you mm-hmm. know a, a man and wife were supposed to be a, a wife and husband was supposed to be a certain kind of way you know respectable mm-hmm. the husband goes to work and the wife stays home and you know fixed dinner for the kids and that was just how it was and then you know in between they have a cute little parties and entertain guests and that was just <laughs> how it was and with- it seems like you're talking about far from heaven <laughs> I may. I, 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 I'm, I'm just talking. I'm just talking generally. That's like that's like how how yeah probably. Um, but I I think that I don't know that this that film Carol, the way that it was shot, the way the the, the subtlety of mm. that film it's all and about the, the way looks, yeah. it's all about the looks and the glances and it felt real. Mm-hmm. It felt authentic and the buildup to their relationship, it's so, it kind of, it, it, the movement of it 
the pace of it, it, it made sense. So when it happens, you're like, okay, like I, I, I totally buy this and how it totally kind of ruptures this very 1950s, stru- 1950s structure. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I, I'm just, I don't see a lot of films during that time period that really discuss LGBTQ and that sort of the, you know, the secrecy of it and how, you know, you would have, you know, two men or two women living together. And it was kind of one of those things where it's not talked about in public, but it's implied. And so um, I just thought it was such a, it's such a beautifully shot film. And I remember it's gorgeous. And I mean, I'm, I, I have, if there's someone who doesn't like it, I haven't met them yet because there's (laughs) always something. And Kate is just, again, she is just pure elegance. Like this is, this is a peak Kate report. And this is probably why people like kind of know her of as Carol and why it's such a big deal. It's because she is fully in her element. Yeah. Like she's absolutely unshakable. She is completely in control. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and also giving, she is doing the stylized performance, but also it's so deeply felt and so yeah. real, even though she, she is playing Carol, the character, but she's playing the way Therese sees Carol at the same time. It's right. so, it's just such, such beautiful work in Carol. It is. It absolutely is. So yes, happy Carol season, everyone. You know, get your <laughs> gifts. Say, yeah, get those coats if you can. Get those coats. If, if you really want to celebrate, get you a cute pea coat and walk around and be your best self. Thank you so much, Erica. This was such a pleasure to talk to you about Life Aquatic and Kate. It's your brilliant guest. You have to Thank come back. Um, I'm so happy I chose this film because, I, again, I saw the list and I was like, you know, let me give it a shot. And it's, you know, another notch in Kate's uh, belt where she's just, you know, playing another role that's so interesting. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. And before we go, tell our listeners where they can find you and your work. Oh, so you can find me on Twitter. I am at the NYC Film Chick. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram, which is at Erica underscore man 10. And that's man, M-A-N-N, 10 and Erica with a C. Thank you so much. And you can find me on Twitter at M-E underscore says and follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Sundays with Kate. And until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>